y'all what's up welcome back to another great episode of diary of the mad black man my name is blake if this is your first time listening i'm the host of this podcast you can check out the description box for links and information where you can find me on socials you can contact me via email etc 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 anywho um this episode here i've actually been sitting on it for a little minute i wanted to put it out for aids awareness month which is the month of october thank you sanjay for coming on my podcast and sharing your story about what you've been through and the work that you currently do to end the stigma that surrounds hiv and stis and stds i think it's important for us as black men to have conversations like this to learn from one another about our experiences with sexual health for me personally this was a eye-opening podcast that i did with sanjay to learn about how he was criminalized for his hiv status and everything that he's been through since and up until this point and i really just commend you um, for your work that you do your perseverance that you had throughout all the things that you've been through over the past couple of years i cannot imagine what it has been like for you mentally and that's another reason why i was so it was so difficult for me to put out this episode because i'm like this is one of the deeper heavier episodes that i've had because it's such a a real and, and serious story yet at the same time i'm happy to finally be releasing it to finally be putting it out there because it's important that we just understand that we just have to take care of ourselves ladies and gentlemen at the end of the day i find that We live in an era where a lot of things are happening so fast and on social media, but at the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself first, take care of your mental health first, do what's best for you first above anything else. And then everything else will really fall into place after that. Um, I'm not gonna say too much in the intro because I think the title and what I've said already kind of speaks for itself in regards to this episode. However, there are a couple of news articles about Sanjay's experience that are also in the description box. I want you all to take a moment to check those out if you want to as well. Um, and without further ado, we're gonna get right into this episode. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in, and let's get into it. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another great episode of Diary of a Mad Black Man. Today is a very special episode for the culture, uh, raising awareness about HIV, STIs, and STDs. I have an amazing guest by the name of Sanjay Johnson. Um, He's going to be talking with me as we learn more about, well, I know for me specifically, I'm going to be learning more about HIV, STI awareness, and the work that he does. So, Sanjay, without further ado, how you doing today, man? Go ahead and um, tell the people a little bit about who you are what you do and something that you stand for um okay okay um, i'm sanjay johnson i am i am 27 years old i just turned 27 on may 9th um happy belated i'm sorry i say happy belated birthday oh okay thank you Uh, i am from originally from osceola arkansas but i've been living in little rock arkansas since August 2011. Okay. Um, and currently what I am involved in as an advocate, um, well, here in Little Rock, but um, I do HIV awareness and also along with HIV criminalization um, awareness too also. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also here in Little Rock, I try to um, come together and do little um group sessions for our black gay men in Little Rock. So I've been, you know, doing that for a little bit, but I gotta keep doing it. So um so I'm trying to you know, be active and uh, make sure people are informed and have something to do also. Okay. All right, and to kind of um before we go in depth into the um into the topic, um describe your childhood a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up. How I grew up? Mm-hmm. Um um, I was raised, me and my younger brother, um, Shai, we were raised in a very um, Christian home. My mom <laughs> raised us all. We pretty much what we knew about was church. <laughs> I was going up in church. So um, that was, of course, that, that was a normal for us. But, you know, for me personally, um, me growing up, you know, knowing that I'm gay, 
that's another factor too <laughs> that was very hard at um, especially um, in my adolescence into my teenage years. You know, not knowing of my sexuality, and also you know, always for the most most part in a church environment. You know, and also in a black family too. There's something that's not really talked about. Well, in my family, it wasn't talked about. Um, so. So um, that was different right there for me growing up, which was hard, you know, because of course I would, you know, I would be um, talked about, I would say bullied, you know, in school about it, and or in church, even though I wasn't out. That's the thing, I, I never was out, they just, you know, knew, and of course I denied it to them so they could just leave me alone. I, I was never in denial to myself, it was just, I'm just I just want to be alone and let me deal with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because especially in a small town, you know, I, I, I didn't have no one to, I, I could go to a trust, you know, to, you know, give them my concerns and ask questions. It was just, you know, I just had to figure, figure, figure this out on my own, mm-hmm. you know, on, on, on how to deal and, and be okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there was a uh, hard ordeal right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, thank Thank, I want to say thank you. Um, thank you for sharing that. I think that a lot of black men, specifically gay black men, can relate to that. I know a lot of the experiences of gay black men in America are different. Um, e- even for, for myself, I, I don't like to identify as a gay black man. I'm still wrapping uh-huh. my mind around my own sexuality and what it is that I want and I desire. Um, I, I know what I like sexually, but as far uh-huh. as like a relationship and intimacy and marriage and partnership, you know, those are different levels and tiers of Correct. a relationship with another person that I'm still wrapping my minds around. And whether it's with a male, female, whatever that other person chooses to identify themselves as, I know that I'm really working on my focus on myself right now and preparing myself or whatever that is that may be so i know that um some people listening will definitely understand and relate to that um that could probably be a whole mm-hmm. other that could be a whole other podcast episode in and of itself just talking about that yeah um, but i really want to um uh-huh. learn more about how you got involved with becoming an hiv activist and why you became an activist as well well um i was diagnosed with my HIV status being positive, and I don't want to say it was late August or early September of 2012, and that was just a few months after I and my brother lost our mom to cancer in 2012, because mm-hmm. we lost her April 22nd, 2012, and so dealing with that <laughs> and just having to grow up, oh man, that was the worst year, I would say. Uh, the worst hurtful year because, you know, yes, fortunately I was educated enough, you know, to know that, you know, I, I didn't have the stigma, you know, that I'm going to die or you know, I'm sick or whatever. I, I had enough knowledge that, you know, get, get, get into care to be undetectable so I don't transmit it to anyone else. So that's what I did. But, you know, um, I just took that and became very distant. Because, you know, for one, you know, I'm still grieving of my mother's death. That, that was fresh. It just happened just a few months ago. Mm. And, you know, having to maneuver with that, you know, I just tucked it in and, then I, and I kept it to myself, you know, for a long time, you know, because, uh, you know, I was dealing with um, the stigma of shame. Not, uh, you know, I'm going to die. See, it was just shame, judgmental, and, you know, of course, as you mentioned, the environment I grew up under, you know, very uh, strict. You know, I grew up cogent, you know, with Church of God in Christ. This is the largest black Pentecostal church mm-hmm. um, in the world. And, you know, how they are, you know, always talking about <laughs> gay folks and, being, you know, just, you know, hearing it in church and you hearing these, you know, vow times for a gay person, faggot, or a sissy, you know, it's, it, all of that, that took a toll to me going back on there when I was diagnosed, you know, I, I was ashamed, you know, I didn't know how to deal with it, I, I didn't know how to talk to someone about it, um, I didn't tell my brother until two years later, that was like 2014, mm. when I told him, 
Um, I, I told the two of my aunts on my dad and mom's side. I told a cousin on my mom's side. I told a friend. I told two of my friends. You know that I considered friends back then. Um, and I, you know, and I and I shared it with the old classmate because somehow I just felt comfortable with her. You know, and I decided to tell her. You know, that was it for a while. And you know, um, having and, and during that time, um, two thousand and you know, uh, 13 and 14, I was in a situation where I was living with someone that I thought that was my friend, you know, and, you know, and just with that environment, you know, I would hear unfortunate, hurtful conversations, you know, of, you know, the person I thought that was my friend, you know, and his, you know, and his piece, whatever, you know, they'll be talking about, you know, the, you know, the gays, you know, you know, we're gay, you know, but, you know, you know, the, the other guys that they know that are gay and calling them sick or they just living away and just making foul comments, you know, or shady comments about those who are positive, not knowing that I'm positive too. And I'm having just to deal with that and just realize that they're being in silence or hurt, you know, because, you know, I'm about one, I, I don't want to know want to know that about me and you know talk about me like that because that's something that I wouldn't do mm-hmm. to others so you know, I dealt with that you know and of course sometime later and there's another thing too <laughs> sometime later you know <laughs> years later the person that you know I was living with and um, you know I was hearing those hurtful conversations they come up HIV positive later I'm like well I mean, it's like a, it came around full circle. Not saying that I wish it on him, because no, it's just the fact that, you know, especially within our community, well, well, you know, the black gay community, the black men, that a lot of us are becoming HIV positive, you know, unfortunately, but, you know, that's the reality. Um, but moving forward, um, you know, I felt comfortable telling a few people, you know, you know, outside of family, you know, those that I felt comfortable with, you know, I was, I was becoming more transparent, you know, that, mm-hmm. was, a, that was a step for me. Mm-hmm. It was uh, a step for me to start off. But um, in 2017, where things got really, really rocky, um, in 2017, in August, I was, you know, falsely um, charged with um, exposing another to HIV. And in the law here in Arkansas, that's a felony. You know, but, you know, with the evidence presented from my end of my medical records and my good lawyer and my doctor who was actually the secretary of the health department here in Arkansas, he, he was also my doctor, again, testified on my behalf, you know, that made a, I would say, an impact on my case because I was fighting that case for two years, you know, because it was like, you know, I, I was facing prison time. Even though medical, my, uh, my medical records, we were fighting that in court, proving that on how you know, just it was, on lawful it was for a person in my condition, um, that you know, I, I was definitely facing prison time. But you know, with evidence and stuff like that, you know, they decided to that first they was going to let me go, just just drop it because we we, we was we was laying them down. We was I, I was fighting. I was not. And especially during that time, during my case, I, I was very public. You know, I had different um, news articles and journalists and magazine people who want to do stories and stuff like that to get my story out, which I can send to you um, later um, through Messenger on Facebook so you can see to, to get a gist of what was going on during that time. But um, during the time, I was very vocal, and, and that helped me. That's when I started, you know, to be able to speak out and take control. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of the story because it got out, you know, someone that I don't know, whoever it was, you know, posted my mugshot and the charges decided, and that just went viral all over Facebook, you know, like over 5,000 shares, you know, our people, black people, you know what I'm saying, foul man to comment, you know, he's sick, he should die, you know, they go to jail, but not knowing the context, you know, this person was, was never infected by me, they just happened to know, you know, that I 
that I am HIV positive and they wanted to put the blame on me because of the one time encounter that happened in 2015. <laughs> so you saw like that was two years later, this is when the case started. But our incident, our special encounter didn't happen until what happened over, like nearly basically two years ago. So, so, so I have, I have a question about. This. So, how did uh-huh. this case come about? Like, what actually happened? Come about well, well, because of course, you know, here it goes. No, um, because again, many person we had that one time encounter, basically a hookup, and you know, I do not, um, you know, I don't even you know recall that one time you no know, hookup. We well, had the conversation before, you know, or even you know, after, because it was just you no know, one time thing. You know, it is what it is, and then some time later, you think about it, I never knew his name, he didn't know my name. I didn't even know his name <laughs> until two years later, basically, in 2017. You know, there's a re- reconnected, not sexually, and nowhere for a relationship. We just reconnected, and like, hey, I remember, you know, I remember your face, or something like that, whatever. And we just, start, we just started to hang out. That's it. You know, that, that just, uh, we put but to hang out, you know, we knew um, um, of each other's status. You know, he was open with his status, you know, uh, and I was open with mine. And then that was around February, March, April, whatever. And then sometime later, I think in maybe June, um, that's when he uh, obviously, I guess, filed a report. <laughs> And I had the potatoes cut on my phone, talking about they wanted me to come in. And I'm like, um, no, this just sounds very, very fishy. And so it turns out, of course, if I would have went in, they would have arrested me right there. But thank, you know, thank God I was able to, you know, um, explain the situation to someone. And they suggested me that I should get an attorney and stuff like that. And uh, I actually obtained my attorney the day before I got arrested. Because I was arrested the next day because I had a warrant out for my arrest that I never knew about. I right. never knew about it. And so I was in jail like for eight days. For eight days. Mm-hmm. That's, how I, that's, that's my mugshot I got out while I was in jail. I knew my mugshot was out because the one of the guards told me that my mugshot was out. Wow. So, um... Yeah. So, so, so what, wow, so many questions. Um, so I, I'm going to definitely uh, save space to get into the criminalization of, of, of HIV, but what was the ultimate result of the case? Was it dismissed? What, like, oh, what was no, the result? No, 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 technically it wasn't dismissed, but, you know, of course, um, again, as mentioned, I was going to say they wanted to let it go, but, you know, the prosecutor, or the head prosecutor, um, I believe, I was told that they didn't want to let it go, so... You know, they wanted to have me plead no contest, you know, and brought the charge down to a aggravated assault. And I'm on probation for the next now four years. It was five, but no, a year has passed now. So it was like uh, four years now. And I have to pay a $25 monthly fee. And uh, with that, I don't have to register as a sex offender. And nothing technically is on my record. So I can still, you know, get jobs and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the end result. Wow, that's... That's deep. Um, off, I, I think off mic, maybe I we could talk more about that and and go more in depth, especially as you send me some more articles, learn more about that. Cause that's interesting. I never even thought about um, the criminalization of it, and people can be arrested or go to jail for uh-huh. for having. So, so ultimately, you were arrested for having sex with somebody, and they said that they were basically trying to accuse you of just intentionally, not like I'm trying to understand like where the basis for. For, for that would, would come from and, and how it's even... You no, know, well, probably, probably uh, intentionally given to them, but that wasn't the case. Because medically-wise, because uh, of our incident that was claimed on when it happened, you know, it was actually the same week I went to my doctors for my checkups and stuff like that, and they said that I was undetectable, and which also, which means it's from HIV uh, undetectable, which is also in the CDC guidelines or um, um, information about HIV transmission that 
you know, that is, you know, to nearly to zero percent chance of not transmitting. So he didn't get it from me. So and, and then the time of the person finally had the HIV positive too, that was also another factor that my doctor brought in too because, you know, the incident happened in October. But the beginning of October and this person didn't find out their status until like the beginning of November. So the time frame is like six months or a tad bit more, not a month where you can just find out when you're like kind of HIV positive. So it was to me and to other people that was informed about, you know, how they found out it was like he was already HIV positive already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, we're definitely going to uh, move on from that one because I, I definitely want to maybe uh, do more research on that and learn more of the specifics about it. But I want to get into more of the awareness and your activist side. So, yes, yes, but um, yeah, the, that, that came from, of course, you know, finding me finding the strength just to speak out during my, tri- uh, during my case for nearly two years, you know, just being transparent because me, I, I had to find that power. That was, that was my way of fighting back, of not being silent. You know, I had to, you know, because I was dehumanized, I had to rehumanize myself. You know, I had to speak out, you know, be transparent, you know, about my story and my life. So that helped me to come to that point of, you know, I need to fight for this because, you know, it's unfortunate that I had to be in a situation, you know, to be vocal about it. But, you know, of course, I never knew about how deep this, you know, situation was. So I was like, yeah, this has to, you know, be spoken about because someone that's behind it doesn't need to go through what I went through. That wasn't fun at all. You know, that, that, that wasn't, you know, something that, you know, it, it, anybody could go through. No, that, no, that, that was nerve-wracking. Extremely nerve-wracking. So, you know, mentally it was. And, but, um, again, so, but, but during the time, you know, I found the strength, you know, you know, within myself and, you know, having good people around me and, and my faith in God, you know, that was, which was real shaky at times, but, um, that helped me and so forth, you know, that's how I got, you know, really more vocal, um, mm-hmm. and speaking out, you know, being an advocate for HIV and, and HIV criminal, criminalization. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, so let's move into um, actually talking about what HIV is, because I know that there's so much information mm-hmm. out there, and I think for the sake of this conversation, I want to hear you just describe what it is and where the current research is and how you're managing it. Okay, well, you know, gotta go back to the history of it, because of course, you know, going to you know, HIV and AIDS pandemic that happened in the 80s and early 90s, you know, um, got to go back to that and um, explain it as being, you know, there was a lot of men dying, you know, of course, from the, from the AIDS part, uh, which is HIV that has gone untreated, you know, even to the stage of AIDS. So, um, so that right there, HIV and AIDS are two different Mm-hmm. Two different things, and of course, with you know medicine, then you know, of course, back then, you know, you know, me knowing the history and having to research, you know, they had to do a lot of like a lot of um, medicine trials, you know, stuff that says you know, it's real positive. You had to take about I don't know, probably maybe more than three pills, you know, just to maintain. You know, they had to go through all of it, you know, and now moving forward, you know, uh, well. Not really with the poor, but with, with, the, with the education part, you know, a lot of people were very, really misinformed. And then, of course, of course, with the media, you know, they'll bring that into it. You know, it caused a um, hysteria and, and, and a stigma. You know, as you probably have seen or heard today, you know, regarding HIV or AIDS, you know, people tend to stop, especially people like us, meaning black people, um, you know, because we are affected the most. Mm-hmm. With, with this um, now manageable virus, um, you know, you probably never have heard the terms of you no, know, you know, he or she got that shit, or he and they sick, or they dying, and you know, that's just basically awful terms 
and that's because of the stigma and then of course you know hearing the stigma somebody else they may not want to get tested because they're scared of what they want to they're going to probably find out because they have been having sex raw or raw dogging as you would say <laughs> as you would say now <laughs> um i mean because it is what it is and you know, people you know are not you know people in general well most people are maybe not asking in the other person's status they just was going to do and just basically taking that chance but um with uh, with education on the education point, that needs to be um, um, dealt with thoroughly and and and, re- and taught thoroughly, especially with my belief, of course, in schools because you know younger guys, you know, that are gay, they are becoming HIV positive, um, and maybe a few a few young girls too. Um, um, they need to be taught in church. You know, the correct education, not in a stigma bashing way, but you know, in a very um, open and um, honest way, the correct way of, of, of educating. And you know, also, you know, maybe have some HIV testing because the thing about it, you may be talking about, you know, not having sex before marriage and stuff like that, and being celibate and being a virgin. No, people, they have a sex. Trust me, they have a sex. You know, gay or straight, man or woman, yeah. and <laughs> and if you out or DL, that's what that's another thing too. You know, if yeah, it's you know DL man that's married, speaking with men, but their wives too. You know, I mean, or just DL period, just speaking out with men. You know, and not getting tested and. Thinking this virus only for the people that are out, the gay people that are flamboyant, whatever. No, it can it can affect anyone. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what's your race, sexual orientation, uh, age, your status in life. I mean, it can happen to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that. Um, um, yeah, as, as, far, as far as myself, uh, I I know a lot about HIV and STIs and all that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. I think that the stigma around it leaves people in the dark and in the shadows and since people don't talk about it they just don't know about it you know what i'm saying i think it was preached to a lot of people about just abstinence stay away just don't have sex and that that that's kind of where it went and so a lot of people just you know shied away from it i also know that um i remember seeing an article recently about how there's been a recent increase in stis and um like stis and stds and so it also leads to me to understand that people are not using condoms anymore and you don't see the big push for people to wrap it up you know you don't see those that that campaign is not really happening anymore and i kind of in my, my own theory i think it's simply because that there's a lot of people that that have the that have hiv and they're managing it it's not a death sentence like it once was yeah correct no correct and i'm like but i'm like you know with hiv again again going back to where it started but i believe it's the media you know itself you know no, not all of me, but you know, just the situation of it because for one, it was mostly, you know, you would see the dealings with, it was with gay men. And there was already a stigma right there with gay men right there. That's one thing. And then you're dealing with the sex, public people are dying. You putting two and two together, it's, it's just creating a, a, a hysteria, just not for people in general, but also within our city with gay men, because you know there are gay men who are just you know just vile about people who who are HIV positive, you know, and thinking though know, that they are just you know dangerous or nasty and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. It never was the case, but no, I believe it helped me to push that. Unfortunately, during that time. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the um? So, how can we work to end the stigma? And what kind of action steps do you think that the average person can take to help end the stigma and raise awareness about it? To raise awareness, I mean. 
depending on where you are and who you're trying to reach, you might have to fight. <laughs> and sure, going to probably be very, very controversial. Um, it's especially for my, you know, area, you know, here in the South. And, you know, I would like to educate the church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know they have, that's probably going to be, <laughs> yeah. you know, dealing with the church itself. So, because there are a lot of people, again, as you mentioned, y'all having sex, you know, whether you want to believe it or not, the pastor, hell, even preachers in, are having sex with men and women. <laughs> Yeah. Mad or not. Yeah. I I think that ultimately what it boils down to is people being honest and transparent about what it is they're going through, their struggles. Um, I think that, you know, people who go through these things or know people that go through those things, the more people like yourself that, that share their story and share what they've been through and do it in a, in a way that's positive and uplifting, I think that it'll help to, to push the culture forward and to, to raise awareness about it. And so that way people are not afraid to go get tested. There's plenty of resources out there for people to go and, and, and get tested for free and get medications for free. And even the, the preventative things, like I know that there's prep and things like that that are out there. Um, free condoms are available you know everything you need to engage sexually however it is that you want there's a way to go about doing it in a healthy way and I know that that's a part of education that just doesn't exist you don't see it in schools you don't see people teaching people how to I mean there's kind of the cliche I I think of uh, one of those movies where it's like the 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 typical sex ed where they're teaching somebody how to put the condom on and um, those kind of things need to be happening because people a need to be knowing how to use a condom properly because and also people need to know that there are certain types of um, infections and STIs that you could get even when you use a condom so yeah and you know, you know but even with that for one you got to think about from where we are you know, well, well where I am you know I guess where we, well, we are since you mentioned Atlanta we're here in the Bible Belt the South they ain't gonna want to teach them how to put on the condom they want to use the definition of it to go out and have sex or whatever because I, I wasn't taught that in school well the school I went to mm-hmm. maybe secretly in another school maybe they had a teaching them but honestly no that I mean I was barely really taught, you know, that, you know, and another thing is, you know, how to actually have a conversation with someone, you know, about sex, you know, the person you're having sex with. If you know, excuse me, if you know that, to be honest, that you don't like condoms, okay, well, why don't you and you and the person you're having sex with, y'all go get tested together. I mean, if you want to do it like that, I mean, because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we all got here no raw sex. I'm just saying that's how that's how we got yeah, here. It's a fact somebody of somebody took we took that somebody took that I would say a chance or a risk or whatever. No, we all got here. No. Someone had sex without a condom, so I'm okay, well I mean, y'all know y'all like to raw dogs. You know, most of us or most people most people do because they like the feeling better. I mean, well are you gonna go to the clinic? You know, to do it the right way, to make sure that it's safe to do that. Most people, some people, you know, may not do that because they scared to know, or or they just don't care to know. Hmm. So, so let me. Um. I I want to kind of move into um the signs and symptoms of HIV and how. And, and and what those are from your and what it what what so let me ask this question. Let me say it like this: What were the symptoms and signs that you had that led you to get tested? And what has your medical journey in managing your status been like? Well, the symptoms I had was I was just having sex. I didn't have like any physical symptoms. See, like if you're getting tested regularly, I mean, you there's a point you can probably catch it now in time instead of being at a point where you're in the hospital and having fluids, you know, running to you and then didn't have a good process of, you know, recovering and getting on treatment and stuff like that. So I didn't have no symptoms, you know, for me, because for everyone it's different. It's not just always the same thing as person feeling sick or running a fever or whatever. It just depends on what you're doing. Like, you know, some people don't find out some years later. Some people find out, you know, quicker than others. I found I found that because I happened to go get tested. You know, I, I wasn't feeling sick. 
you know, anything. It was just, you know, I, I, I was getting tested regularly, and that's when they taught me. So, um, it was different for other people. That's like that's that's why, you know, I would suggest that people go get tested. Okay, and so after, and so after you were diagnosed. Um, what were some of the next things medically that you went through? Um, I had to get on this certain medicine. It was called Striable during the time. Uh, I was on that for maybe up until, mm, I want to say maybe 2017 or 18. I'm not quite sure. But they switched my medicine because it was, you no, know, they had a different medicine. It was called Big Tarby. And it was supposed to be more advanced, you know, stuff like that. So uh, where I didn't have to take it with food. So, um, yeah, but, but, but just, just taking the medicine, you know, I would hire my medicine a lot. Of course, yes, I was taking it when I first you know, that started on it, but, you know, I always held it, you know, put it away you know, to where I couldn't see it, you know. I, of course, I knew where it was, you know, but, you know, just, I, I didn't want to have it out or being seen or anything like that, you know. Even when I was leaving by myself, I still put it away where nobody can see it. Even I can't see it. It's a really bad shame when you have to take medicine every day. And then, of course, you know, when it got to that point of of my case where I was going through, you know, I was being free from a lot of things, you know, of of getting everything out that I held in for a long time. And now it's just like, at this point, my medicine is out now on my case counter. I don't hide it. I don't, you know, put it up or scared now or, you know, somebody going to see me or I wonder. So, um, yeah, that's how I've been, you know, and of course I've been undetectable since 2013. So, All right, so, um, wow, thank you for sharing that. That's really, um. I, I, I think it's a beautiful story and I'm happy that you're sharing it. So what has it been like for you um, navigating dating and relationships since then? How do you tell people? When do you tell people? Well, now at this time, for pretty much now in the city that I live in, the community I'm in, most of everyone knows now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, they know now, but um, it's a bit easier maybe to tell someone, you know, Let's say I have a love interest, not well, not love interest, but someone that I may like or feel attractive. For me personally, you know, with this uh, disclosing, that can be hard, you know, for probably maybe most people, you know, because you know, in a sense, you gotta figure out how or where to tell them, you know, or when to tell them, um, you know, you know, the person that you. You may have interest in, or they have interest in you. But if you tell them, and they decide to tell somebody else, you spread your business around. So that's another thing right there of not being protected, and you know, or maybe being dogged. You know, people don't want to go through that. You know, because of their HIV status, and then of course, things with the stigma. You know, people may not want to talk a lot, or, or talk about, it, or talk about it at all. I can see that. I I just a good question. I'm glad I like that answer. Um, where l- let me ask you this: Where are we now? Like, where would you say the culture and climate of HIV is? Do you think that we? I, I mean, obviously, we need more people to be educated. But do you think that it's uh-huh. still a major issue? Like, do you think that? Yeah, of course. Of course, because people are still being uh, being infected. 
you know, gay and straight, or you know, whatever your sexual orientation is, or gender, or race, mm-hmm. you know, um, more education, more openness, you know, and honesty, you know, just needs to um, be in place, and that's hard right there, you know, because again, people are still dealing with the stigma of mm-hmm. it. Even though I'll, and it's, and it's like, it, it, you can say it angers me or frustrates me that I still see the dumbest, uneducated comments when someone's talking about HIV. I mean, they are just foul. And I'm like, it's like, well, like I, I feel like I'm Optimus Prime to have to fight these, have to fight these, the, Decepticons. I'm like, it is a lot of craziness out there. Mm-hmm. Just being vowed, talking about this person is sick, and they need to stay away from me with that sick shit, or they need to go on, you know, these, these, these for these faggots out here in games. And I'm like, oh my God, it's 2020, and people still thinking like that. Yeah. Yeah, we live in a crazy world right now. I think that um, for myself, one of the reasons why I created this platform, one of the reasons why I reached out to you specifically is because I know this is a conversation that needs to be had. It's a conversation that is important for the culture. It's important for people, specifically black people, gay black men, or really just anybody, because everybody has sex. That's the reason why everybody's here. And I think that the more sex education that's out there and that's available to people, the better more people will be able to be. People won't be necessarily afraid to share their status or to talk about things they go through. And we can end the stigma around it. That's very important that um, that I support that as well. I started back in 2008, 2009, when I was first starting college, I was a um, Basua ambassador. Uh, which is basically an organization. I, I don't remember specific their mission, but I remember I was trained on STIs, HIV, what it was back then, the different symptoms of things like gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, and things like that. And I literally taught classes um, at the Urban League in Springfield about um, STIs and HIV and what it was and where we were then. And I've done things through college to raise awareness. So it's always been something that I knew impacted my community, impacted people that look like me. And so me being the educator I am and the person who loves to share knowledge and have conversations, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on my show because this is important. And I know that moving forward, we'll probably be able to work together again, have more episodes and continue to push, again, push the message forward and raise awareness about it because it's important. And for myself as well, you know, these difficult, this is a difficult topic to have, even for myself asking you the questions. It's like, do I ask this the right way? Is it the right way? But I'm happy no, that you I came mean, on no, and no. go ahead. I mean, I mean, from, you know, that's, that's the reason why I post those you know, things that I post because for one, you know, I, I almost people don't be scared to ask questions because for one, if I'm putting it out there, ask questions, you know, don't be scared. You no, know, don't be fearful. Don't know. I mean, just ask the questions, and of course, if it's something that needs to be corrected, it will be corrected. We can still move forward. So, I mean, whatever questions you may have or you may want to pick my brain about it, I mean, go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I got I got a lot of them. Um, I want to get I want to ask you just a couple more though about the um, criminalization about it, and uh-huh. what 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 can you? I mean, HIV criminals. I, that, that's really one of the. You are the first time I've ever really heard that term and known that people can go to jail for it for being accused of possibly transmitting it to somebody. So how can you talk a little bit about how about what that is and what that? Yeah, just talk about what it is. Well, HIV criminalization, of course, you know, this started, you know. Again, having to go back to the history of it. Um, currently, I'm on the Ryan White program, which is basically you know, a program that helps individuals who are HIV positive you know, to uh, get their medicine. And the history of Ryan White, you know, years ago, um, I, believe he, I believe he was on the Oprah, Oprah Winfrey show at one point in time. Mm-hmm. But he died of his um, complications to you know, his illness, I believe. Um, but during that time, you know, it was a law put in place that, you know, for, let's say it's basically like a trade-off deal in the sense that, you know, if you want this medicine, fine, and stuff like that, but, you know, we need to know that, you know, have an agreement that, like, if someone 
like exposes another, you know, in any form that they could go to jail or be arrested. And as a black person, that's going to affect us the most. Because for one, we're already targeted by the criminal, by the uh, by the police for one, and the justice system to treat treat us fairly. And for one, being a gay man, that's another strike right there. So you know, you know, a lot of us are HIV positive. So in the realm of you know, HIV criminalization, if you look at the facts, yes, anybody can be arrested and, and, and has been arrested and maybe went to prison or jail or, or, or just had to pay a fine or had to register as a sex offender. You will see that most of the individuals are people of color and black. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my another question I have is how... How are these charges brought about? Like, how does I, I'm just trying to understand like how somebody would go well, about a person, a, a person, if they can, they can go to someone and if they know of your status, and of course, and of course, you know, with you no know, you being positive, of course, if you're on treatment and stuff like that, whatever, or you know, just in you know, you want them to get tested, I guess, uh, you know, county county uh, clinics they have records of that and. They have information if they know know the positive stuff like that on paper. You know, they could go to the police like and say, Oh, this person tried to give me HIV or I had sex with person or I did not know or, or, or make that claim that they didn't know. Um, that this person was positive or whatever and and they, and they can go research that and just say, Oh, you are positive and so then they like they would want they can make their claim and that's how a process can start. You know. Wow. Yeah, right there. And uh, and, and, and I've seen well, not necessarily seen but heard of some stories, that horrible stories on how, you know, people in relationships they know about the about their partner status, male male or female, gay or straight. They know about the partner status and, and but when something bad happens or they break up or whatever, they may want to go to the police and out of, you know, bitterness or whatever and have the other partner, you know, go through hell. Wow. Because of the law. They know the law. Hmm. And they are weaponizing that law against them. Now is this is this only in Arkansas where you are? Is this like a national thing? No, 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 no. There are like a lot of states that have laws like this. Wow. A lot of states. Wow, that's interesting. So, um so what can um wow, this this is really good. I think that this is um a very healthy conversation we just had. It's definitely gonna be debunk a lot of myths i definitely want to encourage anybody listening to definitely go get tested there's lots of free research resources out there a quick google search of free clinics and hiv testing facilities in your area i'm pretty sure there's a lot available so i'm um, sanjay um let, let, i want to hear you speak to that on, on p on anybody that may be listening who want to go get tested and start that process of being tested because I, I, i'll say for, my, for myself i get tested every three to six months and um, that's, that's something that I do regularly. So, what what advice or recommendation would you give to somebody else who may not be in your area who have the? Uh, how do they go about finding resources and getting the help that they need? Um, uh, finding resources, you know, or or just a place to go get tested. You know, that's one thing because you know, you know, people they don't want to go in somewhere that is unwelcoming, you know, or you know. I just don't really care about, you know, the testing point because we are they're already there mentally already wondering uh, if I got it or not because of the stigma. So um, I would say uh, do your research on where you can go get tested. You know, I'm sure maybe it was some maybe Walgreens they have it, who knows. Um, of course, your personal cl- clinic in your city or town. And I would say just do your best research. But if you don't even, even if you don't want to maybe go in a clinic just yet and you want to find out for yourself personally, they do have in-home testing kits where you can order stuff offline. I think maybe in stores, maybe in Walmart or certain stores, you could go and get a testing kit, but also this stuff is available online too where you can have yourself order order to your home. It may be testing more expensive. 
you know, maybe like sixty dollars or something like that, whatever. But um, you can have in-home testing, and of course, you know, those tests may not be, you know, always accurate, you know. But for the most part, you know, I believe they have been. But you know, if you are positive and you find out through an in-home test, you know, of course, go to your doctor and of course do your research on where you can you know. Um, get tested again and make sure that that's the case and uh, find ways to get on treatment. I'm sure that they should help you with that too, what they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Thank you. Um, any last comments, advice, or knowledge you want to share to people that are listening right now? Um, not, well, yes, but, you know, going back to you know, the um, information out there, it has been more, um, it is now on the CDC website that you know that you know for those who are HIV positive and for those who are not, just know that you know a person with HIV can still have children for one if they are maintaining what well, well, you know they can still have it you know if they're not taking medicine, but it's best of course to. You know, the person who is HIV positive, you know, to keep, continue to take their medicine for them to be undetected, which means they cannot transmit the virus. And that's also listed on the CDC website. <laughs> you know, they, they lose the fact that this is science. Mm-hmm. A person, they can still have children. Their children or partner will not contract the virus. Um, so, you equals you, which means undetectable equals equals untransmittable. So that has been a you know slogan for a while now. So just the information, you know, just to you know really, really let go of the stigma but also about getting educated first. And doing research too also. You know, just don't take my word for it. But also do your research. Mm-hmm. And and be open to be educated. Very good, very good. Thank you for that. And um, I always like to let people know if you want, if you want to send, um, let people know where they can contact you personally. If you want to let them know, like your Facebook, if you have an Instagram or any kind of website that you want them to, um, that you would like people to go to. Um, now's your time to go ahead and kind of let them know where they can uh, find you there. Well, mainly I'm on Facebook a lot, so the majority of all you can find me is Sanjay Sanjay D Johnson. Um, S-A-N-J-A-Y-D Johnson. You can contact me through there, through Messenger. So I'm sure I'll respond. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, Sanjay, I really thank you for, for coming on the show today and sharing your story. It's a very powerful and beautiful story. And um, to those... <clears throat> To those of you all listening, um, in the description box to the show, I'm gonna put um, a couple of links to the couple a couple of articles about you, and maybe some resources, some links to the CDC's website. So be sure to check that out um, for more information as well. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, this has been another great episode of Dive and Mad Black Man. Sanjay, again, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. And everybody out there listening, stay safe out there, get tested, and y'all stay blessed and highly favored. All right, thank you.